8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So we'll have a podcast of that discussion about uh, Zimbabwe, specifically with that author, Ray Indlovel, the author of the book In the Jaws of the Crocodile. It'll be up tomorrow morning around 9 o'clock. Look out for it, safm.co.za. And that applies to just about many of the interviews we've done, including, by the way, the interview, the big hitter interview I did with uh, Tembisa Fakude. Now, that's relevant because he's my guest once again now. We talk to him for the next half an hour about a very, very topical current affairs issue, not in our country, but it certainly has global appeal and, and has global implications, I would think. Okay, And that's got to do do with the the death of Saudi Arabian uh, journalist writer stroke dissident as some may call him uh, in a in the Saudi embassy in Turkey in Istanbul um, and and you know there's been horrific stories about what may have happened he's been dismembered uh, in a matter of seconds uh, he was gone uh, the, the broader question, without spending too much time on, on the what may be, uh, has happened. The broader question is, you know, who did it? And the very important one is, what does this say about what's actually going on in Saudi Arabia? So Tembisa Fakude is with me. Uh, he's uh, based in Qatar, but he's in South Africa right now. He's a researcher at the Al Jazeera Center for Studies. Tembisa, I appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Yusuf. Good. Well, I'm glad you're going to give up your time. It's a very important issue here. First of all, let, let's get to a quick thought on, on the what actually happened. What, you know, is this... So so he's died. That, I think, well, it's been announced, okay? Is there any sure. debate about how, you know, the fact that he was cut into pieces, uh, he was suffocated, or different people... Is there something disputed there, or, or, or can we say that's exactly what happened now? Well, there's... It's not disputed yet, but what the techs have been doing uh, ever since this uh, story broke, uh, they've been leaking information bit by bit uh, for obvious reasons that uh, they did not acquire information uh, legally from the embassy. Uh, we now know that the, the Saudi embassy in Istanbul was tapped by the, by, the, by, the, um, by, the, by the techs, so the information that they have at the moment uh, can't be given freely. But... The Saudis have admitted that uh, Jamal Khashoggi was uh, was killed, mm. um, and they are now saying that his body was then given to a collaborator, a Turkish collaborator, who then disposed of the body. Um, so they haven't uh, confirmed the reports that uh, his body was chopped into pieces, but we know from the leaked reports that uh, the Turks uh, are saying that uh, his body was dismembered in in a matter of minutes, and after that it was disposed, and it was at an instruction of uh, senior officials in Saudi Arabia. Some reports are saying that even uh, the current Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman um, of Saudi Arabia, Mm. actually had a video call uh, minutes before the actual murder took place. All right. So... And I also understand, certainly from from the from the governing family, I could say uh, they is it correct to say they've also slated uh, those who would have appeared to be uh, in a management position at the embassy, whether whether that's justified or not, sort of holding them to task for for botching up things there. Well, that's what they're saying at the, at, at the moment. But you can't be a referee and a player at the same time. I mean, the Saudis are accused of killing Jamal Khashoggi. Mm. And at the same time, they're insisting that they 
will persecute those who are accused of killing Jamal Khashoggi in Saudi Arabia. So there has been about 18 uh, Saudis who are currently in custody and uh, are accused of killing Jamal Khashoggi. And the biggest uh, challenge at the moment with the text is that the text are insisting that those people need to be extradited and to take it to face trial in Turkey because they, they, the killing of Jamal Khashoggi took place in Turkey. But the Saudis are insisting that they will be persecuted. And that's what makes this whole thing a bit distasteful. Uh, and uh, it also at the same time suggests that the Saudis are really not interested or serious about uh, getting to the bottom of this matter. Okay, I certainly welcome callers, by the way. If you wish to join in on the conversation as we try and get the big picture into uh, into what does the death of Khashoggi himself say about uh, Saudi Arabia, the politics of, of that country or that kingdom, as it's been called, uh, and, and the Middle East and that relationship with the USA and a whole lot more. Uh, but, I mean, the, the central focus here would be very much Saudi Arabia and who runs that country and what they're saying. 0891104207, if you are going to call in and engage me directly on air, which is the best way to do it, it's a talk show. Uh, if you don't want to engage, the cop-out is WhatsApp, points notes, 0614-104-107. Uh, if you're doing that maximum 30 seconds, please, it certainly helps with shorter voice notes, 0614-104-107. If you're tweeting, hashtag SFM Viewpoint, uh, and then tag me, Ashraf Ganda, as well as SFM Radio, and you also have SMSs, option 409384 L- Let's then take a step back in terms of who, so Either it's it's a, it's by instruction from the from the ruling, and I'm using the word party often, but it's wrong. Okay, from from those that are from the from the royal family, uh, if we those that govern the country, or it's from others who are doing it without permission of even the, the crown prince. Right? Does that appear unlikely, considering that that uh, the 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 journalist himself was very critical of Saudi Arabia right now, and how they how they ran their politics? Well. Uh what we know at the moment is that uh, that's what that's the narrative that the Saudis are trying to uh, to push forward at the moment. The peddling that narrative mm-hmm. that this was an interrogation went the interrogation that went wrong in in Istanbul. But there is a general view uh, within the Muslim world and the Arab world that actually the Saudi prince Mohammed bin Salman was, was actually involved in this, and he knew they premeditated this matter. That's the first thing. Mm. The second thing, um, I don't think it would be correct to say that Jamal Khashoggi was actually um, critical of Saudi Arabia. He was a, 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 a Saudi nationalist, uh, and I've spent time with him and I've attended a number of conferences. I've, I've seen your pictures with him. I certainly have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Go I mean, ahead. We'll, we'll have a, I've, I've spent time with him. We've had a number of conferences. He was a Saudi, uh, but and he supported Mohammed bin Salman's um, reforms, by the way. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, he was the type of uh, a guy who really believed in basic journalism principle. And I think that's where they kind of uh, butted heads with uh, Mohammed bin Salman, because Jamal was about free media, he was about democracy, and uh, to an extent that created some kind of conflict. The other issue is that there is this feeling of uh, Mohammed bin Salman is an aggregator. In other words, all... That has got to do with the reform in Saudi Arabia. He wants to claim it all. This is why you find that those women, for example, who are pushing for the women's rights to drive vehicles are at the moment languishing in jail, not extending that what they were asking for eventually did come through. So you wonder why he did that. 
so he's a kind and why, of why do you who, think i mean it's a massive contradiction isn't it it doesn't make sense at all i mean i i i am very close to the Saudi politics, because that's my specialty. I mean, I studied the Gulf and write on Gulf politics. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes a bit complicated, and sometimes you don't understand why he does these kind of things. Because you have people who are supporting your reform, but you don't want them to claim glory. You want all of that to come to you, <laughs> to come to you. And that's, I think, what has happened with with Jamal Kashus. Of course, a lot of stories on why he was killed, etc. Some people saying there was a breaking story that he was a part right part, etc. But he, 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 as far as I'm concerned, he was a he was a Saudi nationalist who just believed in other. So why uh, why do you think he, why do you think he was killed then? Well, I think he was killed because he was he was getting much more cozier with the um, the Western form of democracy. In other words. In, in Saudi standards, he was now seen to be pushing the boundaries a little bit too far because he spent and immense himself within the, the Western democracy, particularly his, his, his time in, uh, in Washington. But also his time in Istanbul, I would say, added to that complication because, as you know, Istanbul is currently a, a refuge, so if you remember, for lack of a better term, mm. of all those that are anti the Arab establishment. I mean, all the guys from the Juan Muslimin, what's known as Muslim Brotherhood, mm-hmm. are currently in Istanbul. And some of the dissidents from Saudi Arabia are also in Istanbul. So the entire Arab opposition is actually in Istanbul. And Jamal had become part and parcel of that establishment. And I think that created uh, some kind of problems with Mohammed bin Salman and his uh, friends, people like Abdel Fatal Sisi, for example, of Egypt, who is in getting more and more closer to, uh, to Mohammed bin Salman, including Mohammed bin Zayed okay. of the UAE. More about, about what this means about the leadership of uh, Saudi Arabia, but I welcome your calls, 0891-104-207. Voice notes are welcome. Maximum 30 seconds, please. 0614-104-107. Mo in Cape Town, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Hi, good evening. Good evening to your case. Good evening. Yes, you know, I just want to disagree with your case a little bit. You know, um, first of all, Khashoggi, you know, was like, you know, supporter of Qatar. And as soon as Qatar and Saudi Arabia fell out, you know, because they both supported the attack on Syria and everything, you know, suddenly he became an enemy and and he was killed by uh, MBS, you know, Mohammed bin Salman, mm-hmm. you know. And But the thing is this, what I want to ask you, Kish, is, you know, why is he not talking about the American President Trump support and protection of Mohammed bin Salman and Israel support and protection of Mohammed bin Salman. Maybe maybe he will. We're getting there, Mo. Everybody I mean, knows, if I can just finish, um, everybody knows he, he ordered the killing. I mean, it's obvious. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. So wait, let me let me get it. What is obvious here? Who, who ordered the killing according to you? Can you say who, who ordered the killing according to you? MBS, Mohammed bin Salman. Okay. I mean, those people would never do something without the blessing of Mohammed bin Salman. So what I'm essentially saying is, you know, um, um, Trump is protecting him. You know, and that's why Trump doesn't want to come out with sanctions against Saudi Arabia for killing a, a, a journalist, you know. And, for example, they're protecting him when he's killing people in Yemen. You know, so, okay. I mean... 
because he's openly pushing for a relationship with Israel. Okay, let's get a, let's get a response. And oh. That's why, and I want to okay, so answer this question. Why does he think? Why is the Western world protecting this killer, murderer, bloodthirsty murderer, MBS? Okay, yeah, got that. Lots to uh, reflect on there. Mo calling in from uh, Cape Town. Uh, Tembisa, it's all yours. Well, that's another view of, you know, we're all struggling in, in terms of trying to rationalize this killing uh, on on what had happened. But, I mean, the, the caller has raised a number of issues which I don't think are really relevant to uh, to what we're talking about at the moment. And, of course, if I, I'm, I'm asked a direct question about the the Qatar involvement in this whole thing. Yeah. I might comment if I'm asked about the U.S. involvement in the debacle that we find ourselves in at the moment in the Gulf, I might comment. But I don't think we can say that he was killed because of Qatar's involvement with America. I mean, it's out of the state of children, you know, uh, and they've admitted to this being a matter. Uh, and right now, I think what most people are are asking and uh, searching for answers for in the Middle East is where is the boat of Jamal Khashoggi? And I don't think it, 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 it's helpful to be apportioning blame on people who have not been involved. Now that we know, of course, that Saudi has said, yes, we did it. Uh, so it's, it's difficult for me to comment on uh, and answer the and answer what has been just uh, asked by the caller, suffice to say that, you know, Mohammed bin Salman um, is implicated in this as the commander-in-chief of Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia, and um, his government has said, yes, we accept that there was a murder that took place in our embassy, and uh, what people are searching for right now is the body of Jamal Khashoggi, and that uh, that's the question. Can, can we then say that there's strong enough aspersions to the crown prince so even if nobody's going to come back directly and say the order came from him, there are there's enough aspersions to say there's a problem there. Oh yeah, yeah, and and, and the texts have got evidence. You know, there there is a, a now kind of accepted uh, uh, claim that there was a video call that was made by Mohammed bin Salman first, and then later on. Uh, there was another video call that was made from the office of Mohammed Salman minutes before Jamal Khashoggi was uh, Khashoggi was uh, was killed. So there, there is clear evidence that the Saudi government, particularly the office of Mohammed bin Salman, was complicit in this uh, in this crime. Okay, let's get a, let's get another call. Yunus in Joba. Yunus, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah. Hi there, Ashraf. Uh, oh. Ashraf, a few points here. The first one is look. Uh, I don't think the current leadership in Saudi Arabia takes very easily to dissenting voices because as we talk now, there are a few moderate uh, sheikhs from Saudi Arabia who are incarcerated, those that are op- nearly opposing the war, example, in, in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 some of them are facing the death penalty. And the other day I was just watching on YouTube, there are a few princes that are in exile and they interviewed the one guy who was in Germany. And he was saying two of his friends, who princes, were actually kidnapped by, by Saudi intelligence. Now, he himself says he fears for his life. So this shouldn't be taken out of context that, no, this was a one-off thing. It's an ongoing process. Now, the thing is, you know, there are more stories coming out about Khashoggi's murder. For example, I'm reading now that British intelligence were well aware of this plan to, to, uh, to you know, to, to take... Uh, 
Khashoggi out, but obviously to kidnap him. But when they realized that he may have been uh, wanting to get murdered, they actually asked the Saudis to not to do it. Now, that's the story mm. coming up because... I see, I see that even from TRT now saying that he is premeditated, so we shall see about that. Okay, Yunus, anything else you want to say, Yunus, very quickly? Yeah, and now that I'd like you just to answer one thing, the South African connection now. Now, the question is, the Saudis, it seems like they want to buy a stake in Denel. Now, mm-hmm. the point is, we as South Africans, for example, do we take in a partner like Saudi Arabia who are engaged in an active war in Yemen, and we would be complicit because there's uh, literally a genocide carried out, uh, the Saudis that are carrying out a genocide in Yemen. Now, if we are going to be selling a stake in Denel to the Saudis, I mean, it's similarly, for example, if, if Israel had to buy a stake in Denel, there would have been a big hullabaloo that mm-hmm. Israel is doing to the Palestinians. All right. I'm saying we should be... I mean, we need to have some consistency. And I say we should not be selling a stake in the NEL to the South. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll find out about that as well. Thanks for that call, Eunice. Thanks. More with uh, Tembusa Fakude in a moment. SMS is, as always, welcome. 40938. And if you wish to tweet, then you can do that. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. Cherry Jazz Festival 2018. On the 10th of November at Fixbeck Showground, we have Tepatsula, Hot Sticks, Fusinova, Semito, Mamiki, Duhai, Singu, Amanda Black, Distraction Boys, and many more. DJs, NIC, Buddha, Finzo, CQ. Tickets available at Computicket from 300 and 350 at the gate. Remember, no pass out. Gates open at 10 a.m. Quilla box allowed. One per person. Cherry Jazz Festival 2018. We saved 22% on the cost of this radio ad by recording it on a cell phone with no music, no sound effects, no producer, no fuss. You could also save up to 22% on your life insurance premiums by going direct to One Life. No paperwork, no medicals, and no increasing your premiums for 24 months. Plus, if you get an obligation-free quote now before the 9th of December 2018, you stand a chance to win your share of 100,000 Rand. SMS Life to 44143. One Life. Changing lives. SMS rates and T's and C's apply. One Life is a trusted, authorized FSP. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint. Okay, lots happening in, in uh, Saudi Arabia, in Turkey, around this person, Jamal uh, Khashoggi. Um, uh, Tembisa, just respond to, to the points made by Eunice. Well, I think Eunice's point is very, uh, is very important and critical uh, that uh, if South Africans will uh, object to Israel uh, buying a stake or owning Demel, they should be doing the same with Saudi Arabia, given the, the, the current uh, political happenings in that country. Mm. So, w- w- what, are, what are your thoughts then about South Africa in general and, and the relationship they've had? I mean, there's been a big investment from Saudi Arabia a few months ago, right? Is that because, as a result of it, there's very little being said from South Africa about what's, what's happening in Saudi Arabia right now? Well, we know that Rod Davis, uh, soon after the United Nations General Assembly traveled to Saudi Arabia, there are already uh, investment pledges to an amount, I think, of about 50 uh, billion U.S. dollars that are supposed to be coming our way in, uh, to South Africa. And I think that those discussions have been disturbed by what has happened, what has happened uh, in, in, in Istanbul. Um, so it, it's really worrying. And I know there are some South Africans who have written a number of uh, interesting articles, particularly with the, regarding the involvement of Saudi Arabia in, in the war in Yemen. 
uh, where yes. uh, South Africa is now seen to be uh, clandestinely selling uh, arms mm. to mm. the Saudi-led coalition. And uh, those arms are then used to kill and bomb the innocent uh, people of Yemen. So I think we, we, we need to uh, we need to kind of relook at our foreign policy uh, regarding Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Middle East. Uh, is it of benefit to the people of this country? What is the national interest? Why should we uh, encourage this close relationship with people who are accused of maiming and killing innocent people in, for example, Yemen? And now we know that they've also uh, killed uh, an innocent Saudi national inside an embassy in Istanbul. So we need to revisit those kind of relationships because South Africa at the moment, we are riding on a on a high wave because of of the high moral ground we still hold. Uh, we've mm. always had this foreign policy of standing with justice and standing with all that's right. But uh, over the past couple of years, we've seen the South African foreign policy really fumbling when it comes to uh, making important decisions, the, particularly the, pertaining to the Middle East. Okay, the other part that that came through was whether it's the, uh, the, rest, the rest of Europe or whether it was certainly the USA, that there's a sense that Saudi Arabia are doing what they're doing, particularly with, with Jamal Khashoggi, just with him, but there could be other issues. Yunus brought it up about so many other, you know, journalists and dissidents who have been locked up and had to flee. They're doing so with impunity because they know that uh, that the USA in particular is turning a blind eye. Yes, well, and there's one prominent uh, cleric, uh, Al-Oda, who's, uh, who's currently in custody, and we know that the Saudi uh, government is calling for his execution. And there are a number of other princes that have disappeared over the past couple of years, including princesses that have disappeared over the, the past couple of years. Now that we have this situation of Jamal Khashoggi, people are beginning to, un- to ask questions whether the same fate happened to them. Um, so it, 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 it's very important that we, we talk about this because this kind of trigger, triggers a, a very interesting kind of concern. Well, not interesting, but a concern. What will happen to those people who disagree with with Saudi Arabia? Uh, what will happen to Muslims who are who, who wish to travel to Saudi Arabia either for a smaller uh, Hajj called mm. Umrah or Hajj? Mm. What's going to happen to them uh, from now on? Hence, some people, for example, are, are, are calling for a separate kind of government. Of is, is that, that likely to happen? I mean, you know, I, I went for the Hajj pilgrimage last year uh, and, and subsequently, I mean, there's been growing calls from people saying we only stomach Saudi Arabia because they effectively housed the holiest shrines uh, in, in Islam and that was not the case. We wouldn't want to go there. Uh, that, that call for, let's call it a Vatican uh, type of setup within, within Saudi Arabia, is that, is that likely to happen at all? Well, that's what I've, I've tried to argue in my last piece to the Middle East Monitor. That perhaps we need to look at the Vatinicanization of Makkah and Medina, because in that way, all of us will then feel free and comfortable to travel to Makkah. But as it stands, uh, as, as the, the security, uh, sec- security situation stands, it's going to be more and more difficult for people to travel to, to those two most important cities. One, two is we already know that there are certain nationals for countries like Qatar, for example, and Iran, who have been prevented uh, from traveling to Makkah simply because their countries are at odds politically with Saudi Arabia. So I think if we start you know, having this independent governance of these two cities, 
we might uh, we might easily avoid those kind of complications in future. But but is that likely to happen? Is is there would there be enough a support and b uh, once you have the support would there be the will from Saudi Arabia to give up effectively what would be their crown jewels? I would think. Well, they're not going to give it up, but I think if the, the world begin to mobilize. I know that a lot of people are now calling for the boycotting of the Hajjah and the boycott of Saudi Arabia. Uh, but I think the, you know, it's like telling the Americans to boycott uh, the, the, the Hamburg, it's not going to happen. But perhaps if, uh, with time, it might just, uh, it might just happen. If Saudi Arabia uh, is squeezed economically and politically, they might, uh, I think, uh, succumb to mm. ideas of, of, of letting go of Makkah and Medina and giving it to an independent kind of okay. government. Okay, I certainly want to pick uh, up on. By, by I want to pick up on the on the Yemen issue where Tembisa, but before that, here's a voice note. Good evening, Ashraf. Well, you know this so-called uh, Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, Donald Trump. I mean, these guys they know uh, everything about the the the, the, the demise uh, of this top journalist Jamal Khashoggi. So America must not must not fool us. You see, they knew where this man was killed and who killed this. Uh, who was behind the killing uh, of Jamal Khashoggi? You know, and we, I think we need uh, more information as to what has happened uh, to Jamal Khashoggi. Okay, that's another thought. Let's uh, let, let's talk about uh, you know w- what's happened in in Yemen. Something we haven't paid much attention to yet, but. There's been the 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 allegations of well, effectively ongoing bombarding of of that region. Just set it up for us. Where is it in relation to Saudi Arabia, and w- what is the issue between those countries? Well, you have a a government of uh, 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 that was ousted uh, just before or just after the Arab Spring, mm-hmm. and then um, you then triggered some internal um, uh, struggle which was led by or which is led currently by a grouping called the Houthi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Houthi have been sidelined, the Houthis have been sidelined for uh, a number of years inside the uh, inside inside uh, Yemen. And then they started uh, struggling for a political recognition. Uh, and then what that did was it it it, it, it opened the way for a, a, a exile of uh, a president of of, of Yemen, uh, Abdurrahu Masoud to uh, Mansur to uh, to uh, to Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia has then since taken sides uh, in terms of trying to reinstall the the, the government of Abdurrahu Mansur in in in, um, in in Yemen, and the Houthis have been fighting ever since, and that has led to a formation of a coalition led by Saudi Arabia. Uh, UAE and Egypt uh, in terms of trying to reinstall that government. Okay, so two things coming out of that was uh, is, is the Saudi exercise there illegitimate in, in the Yemen? Well, it is actually, but I mean it's much more bigger than that. You must also remember that historically Yemen is seen as the homeland of all the Arabs. And uh, the Saudis uh, uh, reject the the possibility of Yemen uh, being controlled by a, a, a Shia government, mm-hmm. uh, because the Houthis are seen to be are seen to be leaning uh, politically and religiously towards the Shia sect, 
uh, and Saudis are refusing to have that situation materializing in Yemen. So that's one of the reasons why they've been they've been very uh, strong in terms of fighting and preventing the Houthi government ever assuming power in Yemen because they want to keep Yemen a Sunni country or a Sunni-led country, never to be a Shia-led mm-hmm. country. The second issue is that there is this um, the new boogeyman in the Middle East, which is called Iran. Right. And Iran is accused of uh, Shia expansionism. Uh, we have seen Iran uh, making its, its, its cousins felt in, in, in Lebanon, for example. They're working very closely with Hassan Astrallah, who's the leader of Hezbollah. We also seen Iran uh, uh, working very closely with the, the, the Shia majority in Bahrain. And now we see Iran also working closely with the Houthis, and that mm-hmm. is of uh, a great concern because this is seen as a Shia expansionism within the, the, the Gulf, and uh, the Saudis being the custodians of, I don't know who uh, who put them in that position, but they see themselves as custodians of Sunni Islam. So is it uh, is it fair to say that, that if, if Saudi Arabians may be wrong, is it fair to say if Saudi Arabia may be wrong in some things, that in fact Saudi Arabia and Iran both have agendas uh, aimed at dominance of, of that region? Oh, clearly, I mean, definitely. And uh, it, this has come quite, this is why we see Mohammed bin Salman and Mohammed bin Zayed moving closer to Israel, because suddenly there's one common enemy for both Israel and uh, Saudi Arabia, which is Iran. So they are now working much more close together. And Trump, of course, has kind of uh, emboldened that kind of uh, new partnership between Israel and Saudi Arabia. It's all about pushing back this uh, Shia expansionism, which is sponsored by Iran, within the, the Gulf region. Okay. That's where we are going to leave it. Uh, if you've written some pieces and you have, uh, Tembisa, feel free to, to tweet the links. If you can do that just now, I will share that immediately. I think listeners will be very hungry to want to read all about that and, and what's happened regarding uh, uh, Jamal Khashoggi as well uh, and anything else that you think is relevant to that region. So I appreciate your time. There we are. Uh, Tembisa Fakure, who's, and you can follow him on Twitter. In fact, Fakure T, so F A. K-U-D-E-T. You can follow that on, well, see on my timeline as well, and you'll be able to follow him there. So he's currently based in Qatar. He's a researcher at the Al Jazeera Center for Studies. But, of course, he's, uh, he's, on, he's doing some work in South Africa at the moment uh, around some important um, causes, which I think we may even touch on uh, next week. Okay.